Today on Hardwired. After this horrible judgment, God sees a city and it's coming down out of heaven. Sounds to me like it's kind of floating down. He calls it the new Jerusalem. And that's distinct from the earthly Jerusalem. It's where the redeemed, you and I, are gonna dwell forever. It's the promised creation of a new heaven and a new earth. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's program, you can always listen to it at our website, hardwired.org. You may have been listening to the program for a while or possibly just tuned in. Well, I want you to know that we do this for you. With a world that is searching and coming up empty, it's nice to know you can land on this message of hope and truth, something we all need to hear. So let's jump right in with today's program. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up in today's edition of Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're coming towards the close of the incredible book of Revelation. And this time, we're going to be looking at the new heaven and the new earth. You know, it's so good to know, according to God's word, as we see our own world just getting so dark, so difficult, so much pain and suffering and heartache and all the things that sin has brought upon the human race, well, that's all gonna come to a close. And there is going to be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. I can't wait to share part two of the message, a new heaven and a new earth. Let's jump right in. In spite of all these judgments, man, is going to remain completely and totally unrepentant. The more you re read through the book of Revelation, the more you realize just how ripe that final generation is for judgment. Because with all this going on, they do not once look up and say, I repent, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have sinned against you and brought all this uh, on our world. I, Forgive me, no, not once. Instead, they lift their fists to God and curse and blaspheme him, which to me is crazy, but that's what they do. Put it this way, if you were getting on a cruise ship tonight and you're a believer, you love Jesus and you're, you're in this cruise ship and you got your little room and you can't wait to enjoy this marvel. Let's say it's an Alaskan cruise and you're out there in the ocean, you're been out there a day or two and all of the inhabitants of this cruise, all of the people on this cruise, begin just to act like terrible sinners. They start getting drunk. They start carousing. They start yelling. There's some violence on the ship. All these things begin to go on. And you, here you are, you're a spirit-filled Christian watching this and you don't know what to do. And when you look at what's going on around you, everywhere you go, it's partying and drunkenness and drugs and you know, immorality and all these things. And, and you begin to wonder what's gonna happen to us. But then you go up the stairs into the captain's loft and there's the captain of the ship and he is totally serene. He's totally calm. He's looking at instruments. And you say to him, Captain, they're going crazy on this ship. They're acting crazy. They're at, they are sinning terribly. The captain very serenely says, okay, because you see this, we've got a destination and I'm gonna get this ship to that destination 
no matter what the passengers do, it's going to arrive on time, where I promise, the way I promise. And when we arrive, I'll take care of the passengers. Jesus is in the captain's loft, and his sovereignty is guiding the ship called this world. And you look at it and you go, it's crazy. It's gone insane. But the captain's fine. He's serene. He's at peace. He's not worried. He's looking at the instruments. You know what the instruments are? His prophecies. I've already laid out where we're going, when we're going, how we're going, where we're going to arrive at. And our destination is heaven. And he's going to get us there. Now, all the kings of the earth come together to Valley Megiddo. Let's go along quickly. God also literally dries up the Euphrates River. We showed you a picture of that river for this massive 200 million man army to cross on their way to the Valley of Megiddo, where the War of Armageddon will happen. I showed you where the Valley of Megiddo is. And look what happens, Revelation 16, 12. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So God will dry it up like he dried up the Jordan, like he dried up the Red Sea. Verse 14 also reveals this movement as part of a worldwide gathering of the kings of the earth and of the whole world in order they might participate in the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So at the end of the tribulation, everybody, in a nutshell, there's going to be the mother of all wars, of all wars, nothing like it in the history of the world. Jesus said, if those days weren't shortened, not a human would live. No flesh would survive. But how does it stop? Jesus comes back. Listen to what it says. He's going to return to the earth with his, with his raptured church to set up the millennial kingdom. And in so doing, he'll destroy the Antichrist and his armies with the glory of his coming. Here's Zechariah 14, verse 1. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountains moving north and half moving south. Now, remember when Jesus ascended back into heaven? Where was he? Mount of Olives. What did the angels say when they were watching him go up? He said, this same Jesus who you've seen go up, He's going to come down the same way. Here's Zechariah, centuries before the angel told them that, saying when Messiah returns in his second advent, he's going to land on the Mount of Olives. And it's going to split north to south. And the judgment of the nations commences. What amazes me is that Antichrist and all the people that are there gathered for battle are going to decide to go to war against Christ when he returns in the clouds. Now, that's insane. I told you this last time, but this is what's going to happen. Here they are. They're battling in the Valley of Megiddo, this horrible war, and suddenly Christ appears in the clouds. Behold, every eye shall see him and those who pierced him. And what happens? They come together and they say, let's fight him. So they're psycho. If I'm seeing somebody in the clouds, I'm on my face. Lord Jesus, forgive me for every sin I ever committed. Not them. So the Lord returns. John reveals that at this time, the Antichrist and false prophet are cast in the lake of fire. Let's read about it. How many of you are looking forward to that? Here comes the final judgment of all things. Then the beast, Antichrist, was captured. With him, the false prophet, who works signs 
in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two, get this, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Antichrist and the false prophet are the first two human beings to ever enter the lake of fire. And then the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, which is Christ. All the birds of the air were filled with their flesh. Now, immediately following the greatest day, the devil is also cast into the abyss. Revelation 20, verse 1, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old. Look at all the ways that John describes him. Dragon, snake, devil, Satan. He wants to be sure we know who he's talking about. And he bound him for a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the, the nations no more. Now this marks the end of the tribulation and the beginning of Christ's eternal kingdom. I hope we, the church, are allowed to watch the devil get thrown in. I want to do cartwheels. I want to jump. I want to praise God. I want to shout for all the hellish misery Satan has done to human beings. The glorious millennial reign of Christ follows. With Satan bound and Christ ruling the world in righteousness, our bruised and bloodied planet experiences a thousand years respite. Isaiah describes this time. You've heard it, but it's great to hear it again. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all down a path. You know what it's telling us? All carnivorous predatory activity is gone. Now, I don't know what that does for you. I love it. I don't like seeing animals tearing each other up, eating each other. I don't like seeing all this violence and misery. It's all going to go away during the millennium. Everything goes back to eating vegetables. You better get ready. There's nothing. If you're vegan, you're only warming up. (laughs) Because if I'm reading this right, there's no more predatory carnivorous activity. All right? Here, Here you got a wolf and a lamb laying down and taking a nap together. Whereas right now, the wolf would kill him. In five minutes flat, okay, war goes away. Isaiah writes, the Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. No more army, navy, marines, nothing, all gone. The millennium's gonna be a time of peace, joy, and comfort, amen, bliss. Can you imagine no devil, no temptation? Can you imagine no attack? Can you imagine no more spiritual warfare? Ephesians 6 will become null and void. The Bible says that at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ on earth, Satan is gonna be loosed from the abyss and will deceive the nations on the earth. Don't ask me why, that's in God's hands. But here's what'll happen. Some will literally try to overthrow the throne of Jesus. Now remember, there's two kinds of people during the millennium. The rapture church that comes back with Christ and they have glorified body. But those that enter the millennium out of the tribulation period will not have glorified bodies. They will marry, they'll be giving in marriage, they'll have children, 
grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and it's those descendants of the folks that came out of the tribulation into the millennium, it's their descendants that are gonna rebel against Christ towards the end of the millennium, and a judgment commences, and they are quickly judged. Don't wanna dwell on it. I don't know why God's letting that happen. I'm not him. Now, following the millennium comes the terrible great white throne judgment. The judge sitting on the great white throne is none other than Christ himself. The millennium's done. A thousand years have gone by. A thousand years. Now there's a judgment seat, great white throne. Who's sitting on it? The Lamb of God. Who's going to judge the world? You're Jesus. He's going to judge them. His face is so awesome that heaven and earth fled away, but could find no place to hide. Who's going to face him? All of the resurrected dead who rejected Christ in New Testament times and who rejected the light that they had in Old Testament times. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Every human that ever lived is gonna be brought before this throne. So what does that tell us? Every single person that dies in Christ or out of Christ will one day be resurrected, okay? All of them, millions, billions, billions of people, all of them will be resurrected before Christ. Those that died lost as they could be are gonna be resurrected, all of them. This tells us irrefutably that we are all eternal beings. We have an eternal soul. In some of the most sobering passages in the Bible, John writes these words, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. How are they judged? John says, and books were opened, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Now notice, there were books plural and a book singular. The plural books apparently contain the history of a person's life. You know, I think most of us don't stop to think that we're all watched. We are by God. Our life is recorded. All the decisions, every direction we take, everything we say. Didn't Jesus say, you're going to give an account for every word that comes out of your mouth? Well, well how? Because they're recorded. He's letting us know here there's going to be a day of reckoning. And our current culture doesn't want to hear that, but I'm going to tell you straight up, church, there's an awesome judgment coming. It's an awesome judgment. And you've either got the attorney God gave you, pro bono, his name is Jesus. And he's the only mediator. He's the only one that can get you past the judge into heaven. He's the only one that can deal with your sin issue and my sin issue. He's the only one. The book of life, 
singular contains the names of those who died in faith. Now, not just in New Testament times, but in Old Testament times, because the Old Testament saints believed God's word about a coming Messiah, and it was reckoned to them as righteousness. All right? It says in, in Hebrews 11, all these died in faith. All who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, they all died in faith. Not having received the promise, what promise? Of a Messiah. God having provided some better thing for them through us. That is, when Messiah came, their faith in the coming Messiah and the forgiveness he offered was made retroactive towards them. So they were forgiven retroactively. Those of us who are on the other side of the cross, we're forgiven in the now. But when they saw Jesus coming, they said, I believe he's coming. They died in faith, not having received the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us could not be made perfect. But then Jesus came. So either Old Testament saints looking forward, New Testament saints looking backward, those who die with faith in Christ, you're in the book of life. The book of life. You won't have to answer for your sin. You will not have to say, go before God and say, well, yeah, you know, I'm watching the film of my whole life. This is your life. And wow, I messed up there and there and there and there. No, there'll be nothing like that. What you'll be doing is one great big W-H-E-W. Whew, I'm getting in. But how? By grace, through faith, in the finished work of Christ. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Amen? Then death and Hades, oh, and it goes on to say, having to answer for their sins without the forgiveness only Christ can offer, they're all judged according to their works and they're cast into the lake of fire. If you're not in the book of life, you're cast then and there into the lake of fire. People say, why would God throw somebody into a lake of fire like that? He doesn't. You do, because you have a choice. I had a choice. People have a choice. And if you miss Christ and you go into eternity without him, your choice, it's your choice. Amen? Then, verse 14, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death. What's the second death? These people died twice. The ones that are cast in the lake of fire. They died first time in their sin. They died the second time after judgment. That's the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. How frightening. How can there be a more sobering verse than that? So why do we preach the gospel? Because of this right here. Why do we offer Christ all the time in many different ways in this church? Because of these passages. What is coming for those who are missing. Now, how many of you are ready for it to get good? Let's see how far we can go tonight. Jumping into chapter 21. I'm going to go to first two first. Then I, John, saw the holy, holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So after this horrible judgment, John sees a city. Everybody say a city. After this horrible judgment, John sees a city, and it's coming down out of heaven. Sounds to me like it's kind of floating down. He calls it the New Jerusalem. And that's distinct from the earthly Jerusalem. And it's where the redeemed, you and I, are going to dwell forever. It's the promised creation of a new heaven and a new earth. Can you say with me, new heaven? 
new earth. And what does that mean? Well, a new heaven and a new earth is repeated in prophecy all through the Bible. Let me give you some examples. Isaiah 65, verse 17. I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. 2 Peter 3.13, but in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. You catch that? I know there's a lot of information here, but look what the Bible is saying. If there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and the old earth and the old heaven are going away. The new heaven and the new earth, the heavenly Jerusalem, is called the bride. Its builder and maker is God. It's the Lamb's wife, the holy city, the holy Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus called it my Father's house, the city of the living God, and the city of rejoicing. This glorious city is presented as a bride adorned for her husband. It is spotless and magnificent. And folks, listen, this is where you're going. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house, Father's house, are many mansions. That's the new Jerusalem. That's the new heavenly city. So what happens to the old heaven and the old earth? I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to finish tonight. I'm going to wrap it up after this, but I want you to catch this. Because if there's going to be a new everything, what happens to the old? Peter tells us. Second Peter 3.10. Now, I've taken the liberty. This is sort of the revised Wickwire amplified version of this verse. Because I took some of the words and pulled the meaning from the Greek, and I just put it in parentheses so I can kind of make it real to you. So here's what Peter says, 2 Peter 3, verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord means when everything ends. Will come like a thief in the night without warning, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The Greek, rushing sound or roar. And the elements, literally the building blocks of matter, will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up with intense heat. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, this one was powerful. In the original language, watch this. Dissolved is from a word meaning literally, the atoms will be untied from their cohesion to each other. We know that as an atomic blast kind of thing. In other words, the earth will fly apart. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness in light of this, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, atoms will fly apart, being on fire with intense heat, and the elements, the building blocks of matter, will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, what do we look for? Say it with me. New heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen. Who's going to be in that new Jerusalem? I close here. God the Father will be there. Jesus will be there. Hallelujah. Abraham will be there. Daniel, Isaiah, David, John, Peter. Ready? Loved ones that went before you will be there. Twelve apostles will be there. Twelve tribes of Israel will be there. Many mansions will be there. 
Will you be there? Do you know Christ? This is where you're headed. You know, you think about the earth being burned up and, and it says all the works in it. What a blessing that is. Think, all the pornography, it'll be all burned up. All of the sorcery, witchcraft, wicked books, and terrible sinful things that are on this earth, it's all gonna be burned up. And God's gonna create a new heaven and a new earth and a glorious city. Thanks for tuning in today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 877-884-3111. You can also connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. It's no secret that our country has had some extreme challenges over the last year or two. People have been going through depression, isolation, emotional pains, disillusionment, and more, and are looking for something to grab a hold of for security. Well, the answer is not in something, it's someone, Jesus Christ. And that's what this program is all about. So here's how you can help us get this message out. Being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. And we believe that these messages with Pastor Jeff are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. 877-884-3111 or go to hardwired.org. Thank you for your very generous gifts. God bless and thanks for listening to Hardwired.